The Burt Show. Valentine's Day is the day for romance, and it's also the day for romance scammers. What is a romance scammer, you're asking yourself? So I was uh, watching the news. I know, shocker, even for me. Um, (laughs) And um, one of the local news channels was talking about romance scams. So I started to do a little deep dive, and this all is coming from the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, okay? And they are breaking down what you need to look out for when it comes to being scammed online. Because I was blown away by this number. In 2022, there were 70,000 reports of romance scams, financial losses hitting $1.3 billion. So a romance scam would be like uh, somebody on Facebook being contacted by a soap opera star that needs $10,000 and they have fallen, that kind of thing? Exactly. All right, so um, what I pulled, and what we're going to do is a checklist here, okay? So if if any of these you're able to check off, you might want to check yourself and that you might be getting scammed, okay? So number one, They contacted you through a website or app, more common approach through social media. And it's an unexpected message like, Mm -hmm. hey there, loved your post or you're cute. Okay. Yeah, I'll get those uh, quite a bit. And then when I look at who's sending it, if she's super hot, I just delete it. I know it's fake. Same. 100%. (laughs) Nobody that hot going to be attracted to me. Get out of here. (laughs) Next, uh, from there, they suggest you move to like WhatsApp, Google Chat, or Telegram or something like that, right, to continue the conversation. So just go Mm. through. And if you're checking these. Next. This is where they start agreeing with everything you're saying. All of your likes are their likes. Mm. Oh, my gosh. So weird. So much in common. So connected. All of your dislikes are all of their dislikes. They're mirroring back everything to make it seem like you guys are, like, meant to be. Then, the next one on the checklist. When it comes to meet in real life, they have a million reasons to avoid Mm face-to-face. All right? Mm -hmm. So they're coming up with all these different reasons that they can't meet face-to-face. And then we have, lastly, the favorite love game lies told by scammers. So if you've ever been told one of these, you're probably getting scammed. So after all those others, you're now at this point and they hit you up and they're like, someone close to me is sick or I'm sick or I'm hurt Mm -hmm. or I'm in jail or somebody I know is in jail. That was one of the favorite lies told by uh, romance scammers. Next on this was, I can teach you how to invest. Mm. Okay. They want to take your money and invest it for you, all right? Because they've reeled you in. We started with the innocent. Now we've moved over, and, like, you've been communicating for a while, and these are what they're going to lead you with. Next one is, I'm in the military, far away, and mm. I need you to send me some money. Um, I need help with an important delivery. Uh, then they go on to say, I've come into some money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on an oil rigger ship, was also on there. And then last one, you can trust me with your private pictures because then they use it for extortion to get oh. money out of you. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. And they've gotten a billion dollars off of doing this. Yes, they have. So, no joke. Again, the FTC came out with this list. So, if you feel like there's a suspicious profile, you can report it to the FTC. And if somebody is trying to extort you, contact the FBI. I'm trying to figure out how long... I would indulge in an online relationship before demanding to see that person before thinking this thing is a total fake. 
you know, a week out of me. A one week? One week, that's Come it. Come on, seriously? One week. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, especially today. Maybe back in the day when technology wasn't where it is. But today with FaceTime and all it, there's no reason you shouldn't be able to see somebody within a week. Yeah, for me, even when I was on the dating apps, even though I'm not on them anymore, if I was talking to a guy and he hadn't asked me out by the time a week had passed, I was moving on. Because I'm like, we're not going to be pen pals. I don't mm-hmm. want to write to you every night like I'm writing to my husband off to war. Like, we need to meet face to face and see if we're going to gel. So you're saying it would have to be a FaceTime call within a week. But how about an actual face to face before you're like, this ain't, nah. Same. Well, no, no. If you FaceTime me then it buys you time in us being face-to-face. So long as I know you're real and we're working through our schedules, that's fine. But if you won't meet me face-to-face, you won't FaceTime, you got a week, and I'm done. But she lives in Australia. Why you can't FaceTime? She FaceTimed. Yep. But how long? Give me the time. Like, okay. how long before? So she can FaceTime when we doing long distance. Yeah. But I really like her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's different. Um, Couple months. Couple months. Yeah. Couple months. I'm thinking the FaceTime has to be in a week also. And then, depending on the distance, I mean, Australia, that's quite an investment. Um, Some people are real lonely. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say 30 days, but if it's that far, far, yeah, a couple months and that's it. But we'd have to be talking quite a bit. Absolutely. So you're talking for a couple months and she hits you up and someone she knows is sick. What are you going to do? Pray. (laughs) (laughs) That travels. Got got a whole prayer in the world for you. (laughs) Prayers. Don't need frequent flyer miles. No, sir. (laughs) I got an express shipment of prayers for you. (laughs) The Burt Show. All right, so do we have on Valentine's Day a very romantic story, perhaps brewing? She got very nostalgic, and she wants us to reach out to a former, former guy that she knew to see if somehow, some way, we can get these two together. Hey, Deborah. Hi there. How are you? Hi. All right. Give us the story here in studio. Tommy, our studio director, already knows it, and he's already reached out to the person that you're curious about. Oh, it's a wonderful story. Okay, so over this past weekend, my daughter and I, we were out buying some Valentines for her classmates. She was so excited to see, you know, hand them out. She didn't tell me her crushes, but, you know, we'll save that for another time. <laughs> so um, I ended up finding some old memories of my own in my parents' attic and had brought them home with me to just save, just to look through when I had the time. And I don't know, seeing my daughter, her excitement, just it brought back so much just nostalgia and excitement within me. So I went and I pulled out some of my old Valentines, had to, you know, shake the dust off of some of them. I saved them from when I was in elementary school and um, going through them, there was uh, a lot, I I would say. I was pretty proud. And um, so... One of them was a wonderful, a Super Mario Brothers theme Valentine, and I noticed it was signed by a name I hadn't seen or recognized in a couple years. It was a boy in my class who I'd had a huge crush on. I mean, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to marry this man, and honestly, I hadn't even I hadn't thought of him. I couldn't believe it, so couldn't help myself. Got a little curious, looked him up, and I found a Facebook page. I found his Facebook. And oh my goodness, when <laughs> I tell you, he is doing well. He is fine, just fine. Had, had a nice okay. little glow up, eh? Oh, amazing. I was like, oh, what have I been missing all these years? <laughs> so, a lot, apparently. Yes, yeah, so he will look amazing, looks successful, and most importantly, he looks single, which hey. I cannot believe. How is he single? Oh, but you know what? That's <laughs> something I wouldn't mind fixing if the opportunity presented itself. Okay. So. <laughs> but 
Uh, I don't know if he'll remember me. I'm pretty much a stranger to him almost. I mean, I suppose. I don't know if there's something that could be said to make him remember, but I would so be, I would so be a help, help me out if you guys could just, I don't know, find out if he'd be open to a blind date or something like that. All right. So like I said, Tommy, our studio director's already reached out, so we'll have some answers for you in a couple of uh, minutes. But I'm trying to think if somebody reached out to me from elementary school, would I even have any kind of recollection from anybody back then. I mean, there would have to be something specific that we did together for me to go, oh, yeah, that girl. It's probably like two people I know I would remember. I, I think the majority of my class, I probably wouldn't. But the girl I had a crush on, I, I would definitely still remember her to this day. Oh, we're going to table this and we're going to do this. What's that? We're going to reach out to somebody from elementary school and see if they remember us. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, Pride is on the line. Yeah. <laughs> hey, do you remember me? Pull up your yearbook. No, By I, the way, please say yes because I'm on the radio. I'm I had a super unique situation with those from middle school ended up going to school, high school together also. And there's like a group of us that still know each other and talk to each other quite a bit. So I think I would pass that test. But we're, not, we're going elementary school here. Yeah, I don't know. I'm going going to go back that way. I already did this in college. I got reconnected with a guy through mutual friends that he was like my first grade boyfriend. And in college, he followed me and then I followed him back. And we started DMing for like a long period of time because he was he was like studying abroad or something. And I remember I was like, oh, this is just fun. I'll just entertain it for like funsies. And uh, we were kind of joking, like reminiscing on elementary school. And then I remember we met like at a bar because we were from the same hometown. And I remember we talked for like three seconds and I just remember being like this isn't gonna work <laughs> it was cute but I was like you don't you know you can just tell someone's vibe I'm like this yeah. is not the vibe I just remember to have a sort of a sidebar common story uh in in my circle right now I don't want to mention who it is because I it's not my story to tell and I don't know if she'd be comfortable with it but um she and her old high school boyfriend from 30 years ago just recently got in touch with each other and they are planning on seeing each other, even though they haven't spoken in all these years. They finally reconnected on Facebook. They were actually supposed to see each other this week, but he ended up getting an injury so they couldn't see each other. But all the feelings are coming back again and they've reconnected and she's trying to link back up with this guy after 30 years. Very sweet. You know how fast those feelings can come? Like just for the anticipation, they can also leave just as quickly as soon as you get in front of them and start talking to them. Exhibit A. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Deborah. So give us a couple of seconds here. Tommy has reached out to uh, Super Mario Brothers, dude, uh, and to see if he knew who you were, if he'd be interested in reconnecting, going out on a date. So we got some answers for you. Just hang for a couple of minutes and we'll we'll tell you exactly what happened okay thank you so much all right it's the bird show the bird show warning warning valentine's day is coming there are zero days before valentine's day before you never get love again and she gets you to the curb. <laughs> okay. All right? Yeah. Okay. I am curious, and we're going to talk to Deborah here and get a, uh, an update for her about a kid that she remembers back in elementary school that she's reached out to, or we've reached out for her. But I would like to know this in the meantime. Is there anybody that just realized today is Valentine's Day? That is listening to the show oh, right sure. now. I'm sure it's one eight five five Bircha that you just heard Kristen say that, and you're like, "Oh my god, that's today." One eight five five Bircha. 
All right, let's get back to Deborah here. Uh, Deborah told us that uh, she remembers this dude from way back in the day. Hard to forget these guys that have those Super Mario Brothers lunchboxes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how she remembered him from elementary school. And then she starts looking him up on, uh, on Facebook and realizes... Well, this dude has blossomed. Look at him and his fine bootay. So she wanted us to reach out to him to see, A, if he remembered who he or she was, and B, would she want to reconnect? Do I have all that right, Deborah? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. And back in the day, back in elementary school, besides his uh, Super Mario Brothers lunchbox or whatever it was, was there anything that you guys shared together that – he would go, oh, yeah, I remember that girl. We blanked or we were on the same blank team or whatever. I don't know. I remember him always losing his textbooks, and I'd let him borrow mine. So I don't know. Maybe okay. I can be textbook girl in his memory, something okay. like that. Okay. <laughs> so, so there's a positive. There was, like, some interaction between the two of you. So there's a possibility, Deborah, that, yeah, he'll remember you. Well, at this point, oh. with me reaching out, it doesn't really matter. That won't matter until they meet and if they meet. Because I reached out on DM on Instagram yesterday uh, to her elementary crush, and I said, hey, this is Tommy. I work with The Burt Show. I'm not sure if you're familiar with our show. If not, here's a link to our website. We're a morning radio show and podcast, and I'm hoping you may be able to help us with a segment that we're working on. And he said, hey. Well, I guess it depends on what the segment is and what made you contact me specifically. Makes sense. And I said, someone, being very vague, I said, someone who knows you anonymously uh, suggested we contact you. They said, you'd be perfect for what we're doing. And he said, you can't tell me who? And I said, not yet. He said, what is it that you need my help with? And I said, it's a dating segment. So first, I need to make sure you're single. He said, I am very single. Mm -hmm. I said, are you dating? He said, when there is someone worth dating. Know your worth, King. And I said, okay. I said, in honor of Valentine's Day, we're trying to create a love connection. And he said, "Mm, okay. And I said, we're setting people up on blind dates. These dates may include someone you've never met, someone you've met at some point in your life, or someone you know very well. You just wouldn't know until you show up. And he said, and what's my obligation? I said, nothing other than showing up for the date and then potentially joining us on the radio to discuss it. He said, that's it? When would this date be? And I said, well, if you're open to participating, I'll get it set up, get back in touch with you to find a night that works. And he said, okay, I think. Let me know. Okay, we haven't even run this by Deborah yet, have we? Um. Well, I mean, that was the whole point. <laughs> well, no, the whole point, Tommy, was to see if he remembered her. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I've, t- I've talked to Deborah off the air, and she w- she was open to it. Dave. Okay, that's what I was asking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so Deborah, you down with this? Oh yes, let's go. Ooh, okay, okay. Wow. Deborah, oh, yes. no hesitation. <laughs> like you do, you realize that you can show up, and he's going to have no recollection of who you are, and you're totally cool with that. Hey, that's fine. I think I can jog his memory a bit. Oh, come on. Now. Okay. A lot of confidence. Hey. Yes. Yes. We do love a confident queen, don't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. All right, textbook girl. All right. So let's go ahead and do this. We'll put you on hold. Uh, Tommy will set this all 
up off the air, and then you guys will have a blind date. Did you say this could happen today? Well, the, I left it open. I said, let me see a night that works. I wanted to ask you guys, do you want me to try and make this happen? Well, let's ask Deborah. She, she should have a say in well, it. She, yeah, she, just, said, she just said yes. No, I meant, I meant for tonight. You, I mean, good luck trying to find them a place to go. Well, I know I know some people, and I can get, you know how they jam tables in at all the restaurants. You don't even have to have time. dinner. Just show up to a bar somewhere and yeah. just sit at the bar. Uh, Deborah, would you be open to that tonight? Oh, if it can be arranged, I can be there in the best dress I've got. Okay. This, this man must look real good. <laughs> real good. All right, Deborah, let's put you on hold. Let's see if we can work this thing out for tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? Thank you so much. All right, love good it. Good luck. Ah, I love that they're eager. That they're so eager, like, yeah, let's do it. No hesitation. So right before we started that break, I asked, is there anybody listening right now that since Kristen just told you today is Valentine's Day that woke up and you're like, oh, damn. Oh, my gosh, she's right. It is Valentine's Day. Uh, Jonathan, good morning. You're on the Burt Show. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, we're okay. Do you, do you just remember that it's Valentine's Day? Well, there was a reminder last. My husband went out of town on a business trip yesterday, and I woke up this morning and went to the bathroom, and on the toilet, there was a huge box of chocolate and, like, a dozen balloons. And my exact words were, son of a bitch. (laughs) He's in Oklahoma now, so I have no way of reciprocating. And it just kind of snuck up this year. So you had forgotten until you saw the chocolates and the balloons this morning. Yeah, and he left a card from the dog, like to dad, and then one from him to me. Like, it was super sweet. Well, Jonathan, looks like you're hopping a flight to Oklahoma, babe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish. He'll be back tomorrow. I'll make it up to him this weekend. Yes, you will. Oh, yes. Guys, 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 guys. So while you were talking to him, I had texted the guy, uh, Deborah's guy. Yeah. And asked him if he'd be willing to go out tonight. And he hit me back immediately. He said yes. Okay. It's on. It's on. We'll check back in with Deborah tomorrow if she's not in his glove uh, compartment. (laughs) Or his trunk. (laughs) Or whatever. The Burt Show. Mo, you in trouble today. What'd I do? You want to take that lady around town that's uh, traveled here to see you on Valentine's Day? Uh Uh-huh. You don't have a car? Uh Uh-huh. Might be a little screwed today. Uh, Thousands of Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash drivers are walking off the job on Wednesday, on Valentine's Day. Today. Today, uh, demonstrating to protest lower pay and unsafe working conditions, organizers say. And they they, they chose today to do this. Today's, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you want to pick the day that you have leverage. That's fair. Right? Mm-hmm. So That's a good point. A lot of people are going out to have dinner or whatever. Maybe uh-huh. they know they're going to have a drink or two. So. Or they're having flowers, chocolates, whatever, yep. delivered via DoorDash. Yup. Uh, let's see. Rideshare Drivers United said that Lyft and Uber drivers would turn off their apps on Wednesday to protest the significant decrease in pay we've all felt this winter. They say we are sick of working 80 hours a week just to make ends meet, being constantly scared for our safety and worrying about deactivated with the click of a button. Uh, the group said its members would not be taking rides to and from airports in 10 cities holding a Valentine's Day strike. So if it's just airports, you're going to be okay. But then, you know, some people are going to take this thing a little bit further and go, oh, what, the airport? That's limiting. I'm just not going to work today. 
Um, and it, this is mostly focused on like 10 cities around the country, which would be Austin and Chicago and Hartford, Miami, Newark, uh, Newark Orlando, Philly, Pittsburgh, Providence, and Tampa. Tampa. Trampa. The worst <laughs> place on earth, you mean? But you got to believe that there are going to be some Uber and Lyft and DoorDash drivers in your city going, you know what? Let's not just keep it in those 10 cities. I'm kind of sick of this thing. I'm not, <laughs> not going to deliver today. I tell you what, though, that's a hell of an excuse for me to get out of having to go to somewhere on Valentine's actual day and deal with all of the traffic and the, the crowded restaurants. <laughs> There's no Ubers. There's nothing that's I can do. Right. There's nothing I can do. That's your story. Stick with it. <laughs> yes, man. sir. All right, Abby, you're worrying about engaged couples and do they all fall into this little stressful debate. Yeah, somebody asked my opinion about getting engaged and they thought I would have the answer, which was a hmm. stupid question. <laughs> I'm like, you are barking up the wrong tree. And a friend of mine thinks our mutual friend is about to totally regret a decision re regarding her engagement. So before I went to Bitterball, which is our singles party that happens the weekend before Valentine's Day with the Burt Show, I met up with a couple girlies for drinks and they were in the middle of a heated debate about one of their upcoming trips where one of them is like 99.9% .9 sure she's getting engaged. And my married friend turned to me and she said, Abby, please tell our other friend that she's about to make a colossal mistake when it comes to her getting engaged. So my not yet engaged friend tells me that she's planning a trip to France with her fiance. She's real excited about it. It's going to be so romantic. They're going to do all the fun South of France things. And she is almost positive that this is where she's going to get engaged. They've been talking about it for a while. They've gone ring shopping. They've had the conversations. And she's starting to pick up a vibe that France is where it's going so down. So they're boyfriend, girlfriend right now. Yes. You said fiance. Yeah. Well, not yet engaged friend. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they're planning this trip to France. She's picking up a vibe. And she's, she's ready. Like, she's preparing for this to happen later in the spring. And so the good thing and the bad thing is she has a really great relationship with his younger sisters. Like, they're really close. They talk all the time, picking up the phone, catching up. Like, it's basically like she's already a part of the family. So it's great. She has an amazing relationship with them. The bad thing, maybe, is that she has invited them to come on this romantic trip. She thinks that it's going to be a good thing to have other people around on this vacation. She's like, it'll be great. We get along so well. We can all go out to dinner together. And the best part is, is they can be there to take photos. Like, in 2020, 24, if you don't have a photo of your engagement, like, what are you doing? And so my married friend who was there with us also got engaged abroad. She got, I think, engaged in like Italy or something. And she said, when me and my husband got engaged, it was the most incredible feeling knowing that we were the only two people on this planet that knew what had happened. It was so romantic. We do not regret sharing the news with the world. We waited a week because then it's chaos. You got to FaceTime people. You got to text people. Everyone's blowing up your phone. You do not want to bring people on this trip and make it a whole thing because it's just going to overwhelm you. So then they turn to me and they're like, Abby, <laughs> as someone who can't even get past the third date, what do you think they should do? And I will say, I have seen a lot of videos. Like, I do love seeing people recap their engagements on TikTok and things they wish they had known before they got engaged. And the number one thing I have heard is that people regret having, like, a big engagement party right, af right after they get engaged. They regret not it not being a private moment. So I said, from what I know from the Internet, that seems to be the stipulation. But I'm wondering, for the people who have... Mm -hmm. <laughs> actually gone through with an engagement. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's a mistake to bring family into an engagement? So interesting. Um, 
I've covered two of these, and I'd like to cover it differently the next time. So the first time was with friends and family at a family event. Um, I didn't propose in front of them. I I proposed during that weekend so we could all celebrate together. So that was the first one. The second one was... um, I didn't get married, but the second one was just with uh, my son, her, and her daughter, which I thought was fantastic. It was just like the mini family, right? Mm -hmm. And I, in my heart and head, if it happens again the next time, I would rather just be she and I. Exactly. So I always felt like it should be like a private moment. Like this is the one time you guys get to celebrate together before the chaos ensues. Because then after that, you're planning the wedding and everybody wants their opinion involved. So I'm the exact opposite. Mm -hmm. Now, my husband proposed, proposed. It was just the two of us, right? It was very simple. It was very sweet. Um, and I loved it. And we went to a, like, if it's local, I think you involve friends and family. If you're overseas, I think you want to do it yourself and enjoy the trip. But for us, it was a local engagement. He proposed in our own home. Um, we went to a hotel that night. And then the next day had planned a brunch at my friend's house. So I go over to my friend's house. She had this beautiful spread. And then one by one, my best friends from Kentucky show up oh, to wow. surprise me wow. for the Aww. engagement. I bawled like a baby. So I am team, like, involve friends, involve family if you can. Wait, so you guys, so he proposed and he had all this arranged as a surprise for you yeah. the next day? Well, I, I, I think my, my friend Claire helped him out a lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was his idea. Like, we're going to do this together at first and then tomorrow we can celebrate. Yes. And mm-hmm. you didn't know. That's awesome. I had I had absolutely no clue and it was amazing. I, I always wanted to do it with, like, in front of both of our families, but in a way where she doesn't know. And I don't remember where I got this from, but I just remember it was like some movie or something and they were in a place where she thought that it was just them two on vacation and there were a lot of people around. And then when the guy proposed and she said yes, she everybody that turned around and started clapping, that's when she started to realize that her entire family was there. But she didn't even know before the proposal happened. And then they they, they filmed the whole thing. And I always thought, like, that's dope. Like, if I ever mm-hmm. get to that point in life, I want to do it that way. So I would rather have the people around. But I would also have to know my lady and make sure that's what she wanted to. Yeah. But I'm telling you right now, if I'm in the south of France, I, I don't need friends and family yeah. <laughs> have something planned when we get back I feel like if you're mm-hmm. overseas and having like a romantic vacation together you want it to be the two of you but and she's not even sure that this enga- engagement is going to happen so everybody might end up in France and there's no engagement she just invites them and she's like why did I <laughs> why did I cut off two of my favorite people in the world for this when you didn't even pop the question <laughs> I think it's individual I think you have to know what your partner is all about like sure. do they want family around do they want this thing to be like a social media extravaganza do they want this just to be very personal for me it's more authentic for me just me authentic if it's just me and her and there are no cameras around I want to have that special moment just for ourselves before we bring anybody else in but that's just me yeah I think it would have been different if he invited the sisters but she did so I'm like have a good time in the south of France and enjoy your engagement (laughs) (laughs) you're on the Burt Show so you're on the struggle bus as far as your business goes it is a black owned business you're on the struggle bus. Let's try to get you some help in February as it is Black History Month. We just need you to head to theburtshow.com if you are a black-owned business. You're going to see an easy form you fill out. And then next week, all week long, we are going to highlight black-owned businesses for Black History Month. All you got to do is go to theburtshow.com.
All right, y'all. So in honor of Black History Month, we are celebrating some of the things that black people invented that changed our lives for the better. There's a lot of inventions and everyday things that we use that a lot of people don't realize that it was actually a black person behind the invention. So we start with Richard Spikes, who uh, was he actually was the first person to invent the automatic gear shift in 1932. Really? Yes, sir. Long time ago. Uh, George Speck, who actually invented the potato chip. That is not one that I knew. What? That's an important one right there. Yeah, if you can only if you can't get enough potato chips, this man did it by accident when he was a chef in the mid 1850s, and it became one of the more popular food items ever since then. So he really? actually invented the potato chip by accident. So he's the reason I can't fit into my jeans anymore. Yes, sir. That's, that's, that's who you got to thank for that. Uh, Doctor Shirley Jackson, who is a big one, was one of first two African American women to earn a doctorate in the United States, and she's had a, quite a few groundbreaking research telecommunication type uh, inventions. One of them being the touch tone telephone, the fiber optic cables, the caller ID, and call waiting. So thank you, Dr. Shirley, for giving us the ability to uh, know who's calling so that we can duck them when we need to. (laughs) That was a big deal. May I contribute? Yes, please. I saw this one, and I think this is an incredible invention for all women. So Mary Beatrice Davidson Kenner, she actually is um, has the most patents of any African-American woman. She invented the maxi pad. So she, yeah, she came up with the sanitary belt, which later turned into a menstrual pad. But because of her, it like it revolutionized how women were able to handle their periods. So God bless you. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Otis Boykin, who uh, he was an electrical engineer in 1964 and had quite a few influential uh, inventions. One being the most influential one is the the pacemaker, which uh, obviously helps you regulate your heartbeat. So that's quite a big one. Save lives. Absolutely. Joseph A. Smith was the person who invented the lawn sprinkler in 1897. So you got him to thank for your garden looking as well as it does. (laughs) One of my favorites is a guy named Nathan Nearest Green, who uh, he was known as the guy who developed the art of whiskey distillation. And we all know the name Jack Daniels. Uh-huh. And he is the guy who allegedly taught Jack Daniels everything that he knew. And Jack Daniels allegedly stole his recipe. And everybody knows Jack Daniels, but not everybody knows Uncle Nearest. Mm-hmm. So because of this, a lot of black people to this day will only buy Uncle Nearest instead of Jack Daniels. But basically, he made alcohol easier to consume, took away a lot of that bitterness and made it more of a smooth taste. He was the first person to do it somebody, in 1820. Somebody just gave me a bottle of that and told me that story. Now, I don't know uh, if... Uncle Nearest? He, uh-huh. Huh. Now, I don't know if he stole the recipe or back then he wasn't being taken seriously because he was a black man. Right. And this was his friend is like, you know what, we can make money together, but nobody's going to take you seriously because you're black. So I'll do it, but never quite gave the credit to the dude you're talking about. That's exactly the point. So that's why they say he allegedly stole it because he didn't give him the credit once Jack Daniels became, well, close to what it is today. Mary Van Britten Brown. This was another one I did not know. In 1966, she actually developed the first known home security system where you can actually protect your home and you can do it remotely. Even at that time, you can unlock your doors and all of the things that you do today to keep your home safe. She was the first person to do that. Alan M. Taj, another one I did not know, invented the very first search engine. He created Archie in 1989, which was the first time you can go online and actually search for things. Wow. Alexander Miles, that's a popular one. Now, this guy was the first person to make elevators safe 
to ride. Back at a time when you had to manually control the doors for the elevators, he came up with the invention to where elevators would open and close automatically huh. because at that time, there were a lot of people that were actually dying because of elevators because they were so unsafe to ride. So he came up with the idea that you could ride an elevator without actually having to manually control it. Some still haven't perfected that. I have been, I've got my share of contusions on the shoulder when those doors close too fast. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever had an epic water gun battle, you have lines. Johnny Johnson, to thank for that, he was the guy who actually came up with the toy giant that has now become Super Soaker in 1989. It was his idea to come up with that. And Sarah Good was the first African-American woman to receive a patent by the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. And she is credited with the Murphy bed. And uh, the civil after the Civil War, she wanted her husband to have a place where he can actually lay his head. And she came up with the Murphy bed. And then he took that and turned it into an entire furniture store. So not only did she invent something just for her husband, she actually made up a whole family, like a whole company family. And Chris Charles Drew, he was uh, responsible for the very first blood bank. He's called the father of the blood bank. And that was after the World War Two. And he was born in 1904. Had no idea on any of that. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. Do you say happy black history month? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, happy Black History. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you writing so this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount. Code Abby. Get it. The Bird Show. All right, Valentine's Day. She mad at her spouse already for something he hasn't even done yet. <laughs> All right. Kristen's got the email. Hey, Bird Show. I am a P1 listener from the Bay Area, California, and I have loved listening to your guys' advice over the years. Here's the deal. I don't know if my feelings are possibly irrational, but I am feeling away. My husband and I have been together for a decade, married for seven years, and have two beautiful boys, ages five and two. My littlest is just a few months younger than Jimmy. I believe it is important to show love and appreciation throughout the year, but it still means something to celebrate on Valentine's Day. Every year, my husband, on the way home from work, buys me flowers. But it has always seemed to be mm -hmm. an afterthought and has said it's what's expected of him to do. Mm. I found this comment disheartening and told him if that's how he feels, I'd rather him get me nothing at all. But in reality, <laughs> I wish that he just cared to put in any effort. I feel like a worn out mom with nothing left to give and little gratitude for what I do. This year, I think I feel particularly hurt because I bought him something for Valentine's Day, which will be a surprise for him. What do I do? I don't know how to make him care more from an underappreciated mother 
and wife. See, this gets a little bit back, and boy, did I get crap about this uh, in DMs from dudes yesterday. Um, <laughs> this, <laughs> this goes back to what I was saying yesterday is like just picking up flowers or a card on the way home doesn't do, if you're going to celebrate this holiday, that doesn't do it justice. That is the bare minimum. That is the signature on the SAT. You get 200 points just for putting your name down on the paper. That's what a card and flowers do. I, gosh, I just don't think it's that much to ask to go out of your way for the person that is the most important person in your life to do something a little bit more personal. Now, especially because there's kids involved here and there's two little boys involved here. Love and affection is a two-way street. Um, I love that she got him something special. I think it's important to show your kids how Mm -hmm. they should treat the love of their life and how the love of their life should treat them. Mm -hmm. So now it's more than just putting the effort in for her, but to establish to their sons, no matter whom they fall in love with, this is the, the these are the things you do for somebody you love and respect. Preach. And vice versa, like mom getting something for him, this is what you should in- expect in return. So I would take it from that angle. And this year, if he doesn't do anything, that's what I would lay down. And like my heart breaks for you. My heart breaks for you because if you truly love somebody and they come to you and they are hurting and this is something that's important to them, whether you're anti-Valentine's Day, you think the day is crap, whatever, this is, this is your wife. This is the mother of your children. She's coming to you to tell you, hey, this is important to me. If you can't take that seriously yeah. and go just a little bit out of your way to fulfill, fulfill that request... Dude, you need to, like, do some inner work, seriously. Is it is this really the hill that you want to die on right here? It's just that I'm so anti-Valentine's Day that even though my wife or my girlfriend or whatever, it's really important to them, I am just not going to buy into the industry. Is this really the hill that you want to die on here? I wouldn't think so. And as much as I've always said I, I'm not the biggest Valentine's Day guy and I even gave Bert some heat yesterday, I, I completely <laughs> agree. It should not be that difficult to go out your way for one day for someone who you claim you, claim you truly love. The problem is I don't know how you force someone to care if they're just not getting it. But I do think leading by example, as she has chose to do, should hopefully open him up to the idea of being a little more creative and doing more in the future. So you said something interesting there. Uh, You can't make him care. Like for you, if you were anti, but your girlfriend was really, really serious about it, while it's not as important to you, you would do that for her. It you're. F your feelings. Your feelings here don't matter. This is not the hill to die on. It's important to her, and she communicated that to you, so I can't understand why people would dig in on this one. I don't get it either. To me, it goes both ways. Like, I appreciate the smaller things. It's, it's like my she hates football. That's not her thing. She, she can't stand it, but she realized how much I loved it, and then now I see her on Sunday. She's got a jersey on. She's getting the snacks ready because she knows how much I love it, and it doesn't hurt her to do that. So when I look at things like Valentine's Day, I feel like you should give that same energy. Oh, I would return the gift. There's no way. If you're not going to put in any effort for me, I'm not putting in effort for you. And maybe that sounds really bitter, but I do think Valentine's Day is the one holiday where the bare minimum usually is accepted. Like with Christmas and birthdays, I feel like there's an expectation to try a little bit harder, even if you're getting somebody like a gift that they weren't expecting, like a dishwasher. But with Valentine's Day, you literally just run down to your local CVS, you pick up the $3.99 flowers and a box of Dove chocolate 
chocolates, and most people are going to accept that. So I'm with Mo. You can't make people care, but it's ridiculous that we even have to have this conversation. You know, we've talked about this before, me specifically, the inequity in the relationship. There, are A lot of resentment can be built up there. So if one person is feeling like they're doing all the heavy lifting, in this case, going ahead and making the holiday special and the other one's not doing anything, that could very well be like indicative of what's happening in the relationship. And that is draining right there. Well, that's why I wouldn't get, give him the gift because then I would feel resentful of the fact that I'm doing everything, but at least I can mediate my feelings a bit by saying, well, I'm just not going to do oh, anything. Oh, no. I'm giving the gift, and now instead of wrapping paper, it's wrapped in guilt. Oh! Because I'm about to make your ass Pedro, good morning. You're on the Burt Show. Hi. My fellow taxpayers, I hope y'all are doing well. Thank you. I appreciate you calling. What's up? Of course. I wanted to share that my wife and I came from a measure tree, and the big thing we took from it was expectations and agreements. We're all talking about these expectations, but where's the genuine agreement? Sounds ridiculous, but you may say you want this, but even someone may, that's anti-Valentine has to recognize what agreement it is. Explain that a little bit more. Expectation versus agreement. So if the expectation is for one person that, hey, this Valentine's Day is really important to me, then how does that play into expectation versus agreement? Where do we get to the agreement? Exactly it. You talk to the other person when you bring out what you're saying that this is important to me, and you say, what can we agree on? So I get that you don't like this. I want something. If you don't want something, that's fine. But we have to agree together. Uh, that I see. We so in the middle. Together. Now, see, see, he's speaking exactly. in man, and I speak in woman. So mm. when you're saying, like, what a woman wants is when we give you the expectation, we shouldn't have to spell it out and come out with an agreement. <laughs> I gave you my expectation. Now go do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the agreement. Anything I say, you do. That's the agreement. <laughs> it has been agreed. And there you go. <laughs> done and done. Everybody have a fabulous Valentine's Day. Get it. The Bird Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. Travis Kelsey got all up in Coach Andy Reid's face after a horrible play during the Super Bowl. And people are wondering, should we be scared for Taylor Swift? But before we get into that, in honor of Black History Month, here is your Black Entertainment Fact of the Day. So the first Black artist to have a number one hit on the Billboard charts were the Mills Brothers with Paper Doll in 1943. Because I DJ and they're known for their classic song, Daddy's Little Girl, which is probably the most popular father-daughter dance at a wedding reception. I know that one. Yep. Yeah, so they also had their own national network radio show on CBS mm-hmm. in 1943, made appearances in film, and of course, had the first number one hit for black artists. So, That's shout so. out to them. Time to talk about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. It's your breaking Tavis news now on The Burt Show. Travis Kelsey got a little heated during the Super Bowl, and now he's becoming one of the first memes of 2024. But there's also a sector of people, Kristen, that thinks that Taylor Swift should be a little concerned about his behavior. Well, I wanted to say, I don't even know if she should be concerned what I said the other day is watching it, I found it off-putting. Some people is like, that's passionate. That's the Super Bowl. That's what you want in a player. It just came across to me as, like, because he wanted to get back in the game. It came across as, it was it was an ick for me. Him, like, bumping into the coach and screaming in his face. Like, I mean, you could tell he was pissed. Like, there was, there was anger there. Now, after the game, they both did a press conference The coach talked about it. He doesn't have a problem with it. Travis talked about it. He didn't have a problem with it, said he apologized privately, whatever. So if the two of them are okay with it, then so be it. But for anybody watching, um, 
and I think there was a maybe a difference in because I think I think Cassie was on the same page as me. There might have been a difference in perspectives as far as men and women go. Yeah, man, like that was for me was not a good look. Yeah, I thought it was a silly take. Uh, and I stand corrected because I've heard a lot of women say this now, uh, the same thing about him. Um, but I still, oh, you see- thought when I said that, when you brought it up that you were, you thought it was a silly take. Yeah. When you said that, I'm uh-huh. like, really? Cause I've seen this about a, a trillion different times Yeah, it was just, and it was I can understand like the ick factor. Nobody wants to see their man like in his worst possible moment. The only thing that I was taking into consideration still do honestly, uh, is that this is the height of stress for him. Right. And clearly He's a bit of a control freak, as mm-hmm. all future Hall of Famers want the ball in their hands and they want to contribute to the game. So he was pissed that he wasn't in the game and lost his crap on national TV. I didn't take it as, wow, there's a big old anger red flag in that moment. You also have to take into account, and this is something that literally just dawned on me. Um, I've been in a woman, I've been a woman in a position a couple of times where a, a man has been in my face like that, screaming at me. In your face like that? It's a terrifying position to yeah. be in. Mm. So I think that, unbeknownst to me, sitting here thinking about it now, mm. I was like, that was probably triggering for me. And I, mm. I'm just now coming to that realization to see somebody that angry in somebody's face um, when you're supposed to be in a moment of some some semblance of control when you're on like the biggest stage. I, I think I'm not saying that's the reason why, but it, it probably lends to it. If you've ever had somebody like in your face invading, invading your space um, with that amount of anger, it's, it's a scary position to be in. Let me ask you this question, and I, I think I know the answer to this. If it was, let's say, a women's basketball player. Uh-huh. losing it in the championship on her head coach, uh-huh. who is also a female. Would you feel the same way? Yes, I you would. Because okay. for me, it's just, it's a level of respect thing, man. And there's also like um, some, um, as far as like respect of authority, like that's your coach. I played college basketball and I know coaches get in players' faces. I've, you know, I've had coach, my coach Cole, who who is a woman, I mean, she would get passionate and she would yell. And um, I... I'm okay with that. Like, I really am. Because I understand from a competitive sport nature and what you need to get the best out of your players, right? I get that Travis was trying to get the best out of his coach. I just thought it was a bad example, especially for all the kids that look Mm -hmm. up to him for youth sports. I have a a mom friend who has a son who plays college football and a son who plays high school football. And she was like, I raised my boys better than that. I would be so embarrassed if they if they if they acted that way towards their coach. So we can debate how we individually feel about it all day long. Mm -hmm. But a sports psychologist named Dr. Leah Lagos, she shared how she feels about it from a mental health standpoint. Is this a red flag for Taylor and their relationship? It doesn't have to be a deal breaker, but. But it is something that that should be discussed and addressed. And certainly if it's occurring in the relationship, they have to figure out a plan because (laughs) that's certainly not going to work. Let's figure out a plan if you get in my face like that. I feel like it does give you a different perspective as a man to listen to women talk about it. But when I saw it, I certainly thought to myself that certain players wouldn't get away with that. And I thought to myself, I never thought I would see a player do it to a coach. Players doing it to players happens all the time. But I never once considered Taylor Mm -hmm. Swift for his home life. You better be a Hall of Famer. You better be a Hall of Fame. <laughs> the guy that's fourth on the depth chart can't do that. Never. <laughs> You're going to be leaving your jersey in the locker room at the end of that game. <laughs> For more stories, head to the Burt Show podcast on your favorite listening platform. Get it. The Burt Show. I respect people that are comfortable in their own skin. I respect people that are comfortable in their own nudity.
I am not one of them. I'm getting better, but man, I'm, one of my one of the things I'd really like to do in my life is be comfortable enough to walk from the locker that I put my clothes in in the gym naked to the shower and back. I see dudes do this all the time, and I'm like, I know I look better than that dude. How come I can't do that? <laughs> but I do suffer, I think, from about 40% body dysmorphia. But these dudes, man, they would just, they don't even have a lot to hang out. They're totally comfortable with it, man. I, I, I couldn't do it. It was a big thing when we played football, and I used to get made fun of. I was one of the guys that got made fun of all of the time because I always had a towel on, and most of the football team just walked around like that. And for some reason, I could never do it. I was never comfortable. I'm fairly certain pe- people wouldn't point and laugh at me. Do me a favor. Fairly. <laughs> you don't know till you try. That's 5%. <laughs> Silently judging me? No. Next time you pull toy? <laughs> <laughs> Next time you go to the gym, do that. But make solid eye contact the entire time you're walking back with one other dude in the room. With just one other never guy? Never block, like never. Just lock eyes and just look at him and stare at him the entire time you're walking back to your locker. Can I just do it one time before I raise it to that level? Sure, that's just fine. Once, but I am going to the gym today. Maybe I'll try it today. Okay. I mean, the weather condition has to be just right. It has yeah. to be warm <laughs> enough in the gym. Oh, yeah. Maybe when I come out of the sauna and everything's hanging a little lower. There you go. Okay. Get a little more drag to it. Yeah, get your little pluck and pull action yeah, going. Yeah, maybe real no, quick. No, you do not. No, you do not. As a thing. No, yeah, it's you not. Do. Yeah. told us when no he. pluck and pull. Yeah, when he went to that uh, nudist place and he was yes. in the pool. He told us about that. Yeah, he put a little pull. I get that, like the nudist, but in the in the gym locker room? Yeah, who are you trying to impress in there? Yeah, I just don't, I don't want the silent judging going on. You know what's happening. I look at dudes' naked asses and I'm like, that's bad. In my head, I would never say it, but I'm like, oh, damn. That's why you think they're judging you because you're judging them. Yes. <laughs> there is nothing better, nothing more motivating than looking at old dudes' asses in a locker room to get your ass up there and do legs. <laughs> the reason why I'm bringing this up is we got a, a virtual listener that has a new roommate who is way too comfortable naked here and wants some help. Uh, please help, Bird Show. I'm a P1, and if you don't know what a P1 is, then you ain't one. <laughs> Who never thought I'd need your advice, but here I am. I have an awkward sitch with my new roommate and don't know how to handle it. To provide some context, my roommate and I were not friends before she moved in. Out the gate, cohabitation was really smooth. She's neat, responsible with bills, and equally contributes to our shared expenses, which I truly appreciate. However, recently, it's been an unexpected turn of events. My roommate has started to feel extremely comfortable in our shared living space to the point where she walks around naked. When I asked her about it, she simply shrugged it off, saying that nudity isn't a big deal to her as she was raised by hippie parents. While I respect her upbringing and beliefs, I can't help but feel uncomfortable with this. But maybe not for the reasons you might think. I find myself unexpectedly... Ooh, this is going to take a... All right, I didn't see this happening. Uh, I find myself unexpectedly attracted to her. I've seen this play out on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) I know where this is going. You you watched that movie? I did. A lot. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, Which has left me feeling confused and uncertain about myself. I thought I was straight. Maybe I'm not. Complicating matters further. My roommate has a boyfriend. 
and there is no indication that her nudity is intended to be anything other than casual and non-sexual. How do I dress? Address, I should say. (laughs) Undress. How do I address this uncomfortable situation with my roommate while also dealing with my newfound feelings? Ladies. <laughs> uh, well, I live alone, so thank, <laughs> thank God this is not a problem I have encountered. But I do think, I mean, it's possible like sexuality is, is, a, is a spectrum. So mm-hmm. you may not be like romantically inclined towards women, which is why you've never considered it before. But it's possible that seeing a good looking woman makes you feel a little freaky. Mm-hmm. You see a couple of boobs walking around and you're thinking, wait a second, <laughs> wait a second. Mm-hmm. I, I think as long as, you know, you don't do anything that's going to ruin your roommate situation, you know, maybe just... Head on back into the room once you're feeling a certain certain way and open up that bedside drawer. Is it possible that she's mixing her feelings like, I mean, I can be in the gym on the uh, the other side of this and look at a dude in the locker room that doesn't have a shirt on and go, that dude looks good. I'm not sexually attracted to him, but I'm like, dang, that dude looks really good. Is it possible that she's... Mixing those feelings up? Well, it's different than being, she says, I find myself unexpectedly attracted to her. So it's one thing to like find somebody attractive it's another thing to be attracted to them like you would you would act on that impulse so as a woman i i definitely appreciate the female form i actually think it's more appealing and more pleasant to look at than the male form. It's not even close. <laughs> we have hairs on our oh. knuckles and stuff. <laughs> but with that said, um, it's not something, while I appreciate it and I find it attractive, I'm not attracted to it. Like there's this, mm-hmm. there's this fine line. So here, what I would ask, what I would ask her to ask of herself is like, okay, am I just overall finding the female form beautiful or is this something like I actually want to act on? You want to touch. Yes. And if you want to act on it, well then that, I think you have to do a little self-exploration there. Uh, I personally wouldn't do it with your naked roommate. Um, you're not supposed to, you know, S where you eat. So I would explore those feelings somewhere else and see if, if they're like, I would go to a gay bar and see how you feel there in that environment and just kind of like, you know, Try to figure yourself out. I, I wouldn't make a move on her. And like you said, Abby, I if those feelings arise, if those feelings of arousal arise, take care of yourself in whatever manner. Because you need to respect what, what the position she's in. She's got a boyfriend. She's in a relationship. So respect her, respect her relationship, and respect yourself. I still think we're focusing on the wrong thing there, though. That's one thing. But, I mean, she's perfectly within her rights to say, this is a shared space right here. Yes. And I'm not comfortable with this for whatever reason. She doesn't have to divulge that because I'm having feelings for you or anything. She's not comfortable in that situation. The roommate should listen to that and go, okay, this is our shared space. I'll just be naked in my own room. Well, my thing is, I, I agree that I think there should be self-exploration, and I think she should make... If it were me, I would probably just mind my business and try not to be in that area when she's doing this. But if she does do self-exploration and finds that she's interested in women, then does she owe it to the roommate to tell her? Because if you tell her, then that will probably stop her from being nude around you because she probably will not want to do that knowing that you're attracted to her. That's going to make the living situation so awkward, though, no? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. probably Did she will. say she talked to her about it and she said this is just that the she way asked she her, is? Yeah, she asked her why you're so, like, why the nudity? And she was like, I just, nudity's a non-issue to me and my parents, they were hippies and this is how we were raised. Guys would handle this so differently. Like, if Mo and I were living together and he's naked all over the place, I'd just be going, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> that simple. That's it. That's all you have to say. Will you, will you please put that away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, you got to handle it with more sensitivity with women because if you look at him, if you look at your girl and you're like, why are you all naked? I'm going to take it offensively. I'm going to think you think I look bad mm-hmm. and then it'll solve the problem. I'll never come out naked again, <laughs> but I'm certainly going to hate you. So what are the words you use then if you're trying to open up this dialogue that you're uncomfortable in your your living situation? Hey, Vestie, um, have you thought about putting a robe on, please? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I think you got to tread lightly. I think you just need to say, hey, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I'm a little bit more, you can even put it on yourself. I'm a little bit more prudish. Would appreciate it if in our shared space you could put some clothes on. Get certificate to Sweet Peach. There you go. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that'll work. It's a bird show. Thanks for listening. Get more bird show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.